do you think about fossil fuels? Question for you. What is the importance of fossil fuels? And what is all this fuss about its relationship with the media popular narrative about fossil fuels and its relationship to human-induced climate change? Well, don't look any further. An objective of mine in this episode is to deliver to you stuff you may need to know, or at least something you should think about. Because there is some complexity here, so bear with me as I try to pin this down in a few minutes. But before I start, I reckon we should understand what on earth, or in this case, as we will see, what in the earth is fossil fuel. There is a bit of history here. But first, let me state up front that without fossil fuels, you would likely have the life of a human akin to the year 1800 or 1600 or 1400 rather than the life you're leading today. Your healthcare, your drugs, the research, medicine, the buildings of cities, factories, the road network, schools, fancy technology, car, the bus, the train, the boat, the ship, the spaceship, the rocket, the clothes, the entertainment, the TV, the radio, the internet, the cloud computing technology, the waterworks, the flush of the toilet, even operating farms and getting the food. Just about anything and everything. Yes, even social media and trashy reality television. It's all related to fossil fuels. Now imagine modern life, all of it just gone. If you look, if you look hard enough, fossil fuels, it fuels many people's lives. Without it, many of us would just die. And no, I'm not kidding. That could include me and you. There would be a lack of medicine. There would be no more modern healthcare. Hygiene would not be possible. Mass production of stuff like soap, female hygiene products, and even toothpaste would all vanish. That alone would knock out about half of the human species. Millions would freeze or die in hot weather. How many of you currently, when hungry, just run to the shop for food? Well, with no fossil fuels, you'd be hunting or gathering the food, cooking it on the spot. Do you know how to grow your own food? Are you able to kill an animal for food? If you're that hungry, you will have to not just grow, hunt, gather and kill, but also in competition with other people, your neighbours. Yes, that's right. You're going to have to fend off and fight your neighbours. Can you fight? Can you fend off your neighbours? Can you beat someone up and kill them before they kill you? Oh, and child mortality and death of expecting mothers would also shoot through the roof. In short, ladies and gentlemen, the last thing you'd be worried about is the battery life of your mobile phone, your work email or homework. The only thing you'll need is the stability and the ability to gather food, eat it, and then repeat that effort without dying or falling ill. I guess the good news is you'll never have to worry about money anymore, financial debt at all ever, and your paycheck or pay packet would be useless. It would be pointless because you would be surviving in the moment. You'd learn the meaning of life pretty damn quickly. Chances are you, or for that matter, sadly even me, would not survive the end of fossil fuels because I don't know how to hunt for rabbit, deer, and then how to skin, gut, and cook it. I don't even know how to grow anything. And the worst of all, the neighbours, if they show up hungry, I would probably get beaten up. Without cops, all things illegal would become literally overnight legal because might 
will be right. Because the last thing you'd be doing while fending off the guy trying to stab you is telling him how woke your pronouns are. You'd be well and truly screwed by that point. No matter how much of an eco-warrior you are, and I do respect eco-warriors, the sheer fact that humans want and need life's comforts, that sheer fact of that basic want, means fossil fuels need to continue, or we need to figure out our lives pretty quickly. That said, there are lots of tribes in Africa, South America, India, and in Southeast Asia who would likely just happily carry on as normal and probably have a net-net benefit out of the end of fossil fuels. The rest of us, that's a different story. If you stop fossil fuels, you go back to the year 1600, including the population collapse. Yes, you could just reduce the demand for fossil fuels by simply somehow reducing the human population by, say, 80 or 90% from today's numbers. But you'd want to come up with a viable way of doing that. Stopping people having children is one thing, but you'd want to back it up in case that does not work. Likely, you could also unleash a nasty virus or somehow hoodwink the nuclear powers to throw nukes at one another. There are ways and there are means to knock 7.5 of the current 8 billion humans into the dust in order to save the planet. Another idea, and this is my genius idea, is that if the humans just use up all the fossil fuels, you'd eventually not have the engine to reproduce human growth and reduce population right there. For the added benefit, mind you, that if we stay drunk on fossil fuels and, as the so-called experts predict, that the world is done for because of their global warming thesis by using those fossil fuels, we would end up creating a planet that would end all human life anyway, just by overusing the fossil fuels. The planet would kill us and do it for us. We wouldn't have to destroy ourselves. That works because, well, wait, hear me out. That works because the world will, without the humans, likely just self-regenerate over just a few hundred thousand years. And that a few hundred thousand years, by the way, frankly, and yes, even a million years or a couple of million years, is just a tiny blip in the history of the planet. It's nothing. Think about it. We have only been using coal, oil, and gas in a mass industrial way for no more than 200 years. That's it. And mostly in Western countries. Wait, if you learn nothing else from this episode, just keep in mind, population growth is linked with life being easy because you get free cheap or cheap medicine, cheap clean water, cheap food, and there's an abundance of it. And it's all because of fossil fuels. We humans should be eternally grateful to coal, oil, and gas for the simple and the complex things in human life. Yes, so if you are concerned about using up fossil fuels, don't be. Just calm down and listen on. Life needs to be chilled out. You need fast mobile internet, a fridge, chicken kebabs with just the right spices, and oh yes, silly branded clothing, flushing toilets, and most importantly, the worst form of trashy reality television on demand. That takes priority over everything. And no, I'm not kidding. Without the distractions, people would simply riot on the streets because there's nothing else to do. Humans are designed to hunt, gather, cook, procreate, excrete, repeat. Talking about eco-warriors, most of them would never really turn the lights off unless there's a massive fuel shortage. They would love to use airplanes unless there's a massive fuel shortage. Cars, unless there's a massive fuel shortage. And they would happily seek medical care when needed unless there's a massive fossil fuel shortage. 
I don't blame them. But I asked them, why then lecture the rest of us? Now, what in earth is a fossil fuel? Let's start with what hydrocarbons are. A hydrocarbon is basically an organic compound consisting entirely of, and this is so simple even I can break down the science here for you, a hydrocarbon consists of hydrogen and carbon. Yes, the hydro and carbon plus the name. In the fossil fuel industries, hydrocarbon refers to the naturally occurring petroleum, natural gas, and coal, and to their hydrocarbon derivatives and purified forms. Eco-warriors, even the most hypocritical ones, will tell you that the human combustion of hydrocarbons is the main source of the world's energy use. Petroleum is the dominant raw material source for organic commodity chemicals. That's the fact. A fossil fuel is a hydrocarbon-containing material formed naturally in the Earth's crust from remains of dead plants, dead animals, and that is ultimately extracted and burned as fuels. Here is the important bit. Listen carefully. I shall say this only once because I'm using fancy words. Because the origin of fossil fuels is the anaerobic decomposition of buried dead organisms containing organic molecules created by photosynthesis, the conversion from these materials to high-carbon fossil fuels typically require geological processes over millions of years. In other words, making hydrocarbons a somewhat finite resource to the degree that we use up all the hydrocarbons, i.e. use up all the dead plants, humans, dead animals, dinosaurs that have passed away over the ages. Amazing, isn't it, really, that we use all this dead stuff decomposed as a silly harbor hydrocarbon? If that's what we, all of us alive today, have in store for us after we pop off, i.e. to get used by future idiots as fuel for their car, seriously, crimination for me, probably you as well, if you want to avoid becoming a hydrocarbon, The first use of the term fossil fuel occurs in the work of this German chemist called Caspar Newman. Fossil fuels, oh well, fossil means digging. Simply put then, you have to dig for this stuff. Thus, digging for fuels. Kind of simple, isn't it? Now, allow me to chat a bit about coal and then gas and then oil. So coal, then gas, then oil. The history of coal mining goes back thousands of years with early mines documented in ancient China, the Roman Empire, and early historical economies. Archaeological evidence suggests that in China, surface mining of coal in household usage was approximately around 3,500 BC. Coal was used in Britain during the Bronze Age, say 2000 BC, where it formed part of funeral pyres. However, it only really became important in the Industrial Revolution of the 19th and 20th centuries. It was used to power steam engines for one, heat buildings, and generate electricity. By the way, compared to wood fuels, coal yields a higher amount of energy per unit, so it's better than wood. Try running a train on wood. Now that's coal. What about natural gas? Natural gas can come out of the ground and cause long-burning fires. Simple. It's there. It's just there in the ground, and it has fire if you burn it, and that fire keeps you warm and you cook on it. This thing is naturally occurring. It's just in the ground. As I said, it's right there. In ancient China, gas resulting from drilling for brines 
was first used in about 1000 BC, or we think. I think older, longer than that, but let's just go with 1000 BC. It would transport gas seeping from the ground in crude pipelines of bamboo to where it was used to boil salt and to extract the salt from salt water. These days, in what we assume to be modern times, the demand for gas is higher. Humans have the need for this gas for anything from cooking food to keeping warm. Although back in the 19th century, natural gas was primarily obtained as a byproduct of producing oil. That's right, gas was often used as a byproduct, a hazard, and a disposable problem in active oil fields. The large volumes produced could not be used until relatively expensive pipelines and storage facilities were constructed to deliver the gas to the consumer markets. It needs a pipeline. Until the early part of the 20th century, most natural gas associated with oil was either simply released or burned off as oil fields. Gas venting and production flaring are still practiced today, but efforts are going on around the world to retire them and to replace them with other commercially viable and useful alternatives. By the way, don't worry, unwanted gas is also often piped right back into the ground. In addition to transporting gas via pipelines, other transportation methods for natural gas include liquefied natural gas or LNG as a product. The gas is liquefied there, and then the liquefied gas is transported on big ships or trains or what have you for use far away from the source without pipeline. But that is expensive. By the way, you may be wondering what fracking is. Basically, releasing natural gas from subsurface porous rock formations may be done by a process called hydraulic fracturing or fracking. In hydraulic fracturing, operators force water mixed with a variety of chemicals through the wellbone casing into the rock. This high-pressure water breaks up or fracks the rock, which releases gas from the rock formation. Okay, so we did coal, and now we just covered natural gas. Now, what about oil? Petroleum is also known as a crude oil, or simply oil. It is also a naturally occurring yellowish-black liquid mixture. You actually need this hydrocarbon to build the trucks, move the trucks, and the ships, and build the pipelines that even transfer natural gas, coal, and oil from anywhere to anywhere. It's even used in the making of plastics. Petroleum is formed when large quantities of dead organisms, mostly zooplankton and algae, are buried underneath sedimentary rock and subjected to both prolonged heat and pressure. Petroleum is recovered by oil drilling. Recent developments in technologies have also led to the exploitation of other reserves, such as oil sands and oil shale, though they are a lot more expensive to do. Once extracted, oil is refined, separated, and most easily distilled into all sorts of products for direct use in manufacturing. That, by and large, are the three main types of fossil fuels, oil, gas, and coal. There is a whole industry on these fossil fuels. Millions of people are employed in it. Not just the extraction, but the transportation and marketing. You and I are just the users. There's also a counter-industry employing hundreds of thousands of people in the climate change industry. This industry is not without hypocrisy, as I have mentioned already. But there is another movement where hundreds of thousands of people are employed, and it is interesting to look at. This one is sometimes called green energy or clean energy or renewable energy. It's a noble idea. You harness the sun or wind and water for energy generation. It works. You get solar panels and generate electricity using the sun. You build dams and harness water. 
you build windmills and harness the air. It all works. But of course, you need to build these things and they have an associated cost. First, of course, you must use hydrocarbons to actually build the dams, the solar panels and the wind turbines. So there is no escaping that. The weather remains erratic. So if it's not windy enough, say goodbye to the windmills. The sun, especially in hot countries, is regular. So there is that. You'll need lots of panels to run a big city like Mumbai, though. Dams, they have their own ecological issues where you have upstream and downstream ecological changes to the flow, intensity and ecology of a river. Often towns get flooded when creating a dam upstream. So fossil fuels are as important as food and water. Oh, and before I forget, there's also nuclear energy or nuclear power. This is separate to nuclear bombs, just in case you're confused. Originally deemed unsafe, as now it's considered cleaner than fossil fuels and safe, relatively safe. I mean, look, it's still nuclear, and at the end of the day, so it is always risky in terms of getting radiation. But it is more renewable than wind and water for sure, and even solar. It's cleaner than coal and oil for sure, and maybe not so much natural gas, but at least you're not burning it. Being energy independent, if you can, is an amazing thing. That would be countries like the United States or Saudi Arabia, or Russia. But having more than you need is even better. Iran, Saudi, Venezuela, Russia, for example, they have way, way, way more fossil fuels than they need for their own populations. Energy security thus, some free flow of energy of any kind, domestic or foreign, is critical to keeping lights on, cars running, homes warm, factories buzzing, militaries humming, and you employed, happy, safe, medicated, and not rioting. You turn off the taps and you can say bye-bye to industry, jobs, healthcare, name it, it will go. Like I said earlier, energy like food and water is critical. Conversely, food and water actually needs energy to be produced and get to you. In fact, you and me need fossil fuels just to make this podcast happen. So let's not knock fossil fuels. There are millions or billions of years worth of dead stuff that has turned itself into these fossil fuels. So maybe we can go on for a while. If you are keen to do so, sure, look at clean energy. Look at nuclear as well. But to create plastics and run a ship or fly a plane, you need fossil fuels. Now look, if you are an eco-warrior, then I am marginally sorry for you. You are pushing a big rock up a hill. If you are not an eco-warrior, then you can build a machine using fossil fuels and get that rock up the hill with time to spare for fish curry and rice. That fish curry and rice would have to get to you using fossil fuels as well, by the way. Amazing, isn't it? The dependency. That's why people kill over this stuff. Bush, George W., that is, invaded and killed a million Iraqis for oil security. That should tell you something. With that, I must ask for your leave so I can destroy more fossil fuels, since that is the way of the world. Catch you soon. Bye for now.